Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Flying Solo Podcast, a show for those going it alone in business. If you're working solo or have dreams of starting up, you'll find support, inspiration and advice at Australia's largest and liveliest small business community. Find us at flyingsolo.com.au or join us on Facebook. Here's your host, Robert Gerrish. Hello and welcome to another Flying Solo podcast. Don't forget, if you're listening via iTunes, please consider posting a brief review of the show for us. It's ever so helpful. And uh, any comments, any feedback, let us have it. Um, Now, I should tell you, support for this podcast comes from Sendle, the door-to-door delivery parcel service that's cheaper than the post office. Head to sendle.com forward slash flying solo to get free Sendle premium. And that's worth $120 a year and you'll get an extra dollar off every parcel you send. So that's a pretty damn good deal, I reckon. Now, my guest today is the uh, the very innovative, um, the very wonderful Amanda Westphal. Hello, Amanda. Hi, Robert. Thank you. Look, it's good to have you here. Now, I should just say to anyone that doesn't realise, you are the winner of the inaugural Flying Solo Awards and the innovation category. So congratulations again. And um, I do hope in some small way it's changed your life and world in a positive sense. <laughs> it actually, look, it has. Oh. I, um, I love validation and, and I did strive to be quite innovative with the business. So mm. when you guys agreed with me, that was really exciting. Oh, good. Well, that's, that's great to hear. So look, let me just explain what your business is. So your business is called Prize Pig. It's an online platform that connects small businesses with major media. So a small business can view anything up to 150 or more competitions that a huge range of media outlets have coming up. And then the small businesses can offer their own prizes for those competitions. So, so far, and this figure may need updating, I think around $4 million of media exposure has been generated by Prize Pig. How good is that? Five and a half now. Five and a half million. No way. Yes, yes. Oh, that's so good. Now, the first thing I have to ask you is why the name Prize Pig? (laughs) That's a great question. Uh, I actually, look, I understand that when people start businesses, picking a name is obviously quite substantial and and it can take people a really long time, but I was so lucky I didn't even workshop it. I just went with Prize Pig. It's really sticky. Um, A Prize Pig, when I was working in in media outlets, um, was somebody who uh, entered a lot of competitions. Oh, so it's a term that you use with, within media, is it? Yeah, it is. And uh, for somebody, you know, if they've won four or five competitions that week, you're like, wait a second, you're a bit of a prize pig. Uh-huh. Um, and I do know of radio stations that do have squeaky toys with pigs that they squeak in, in their offices when they're talking to the same person again. Um, so it just was something that uh, was sticky. I thought it was really fun and um, was a bit of an industry term and, I didn't realise actually how much fun I could I could have with it copywriting wise. Isn't that great? great? So you, it's yeah. it's a name that was just there. You did, as you say, you didn't kind of think about it much. But 
the lovely thing is that um, you know here we are a, a few years in, and and you're loving it, so that's good. Yes, lucky. That's very good. <laughs> lucky. But it also, you know, as, as people, when they um, hopefully will visit your website, they can see that you use it graphically very nicely. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's very good. Very nice. Nice work. Thank you. <laughs> so look, let's, let's just dive into this whole sort of innovation thing a little, because I know that you are someone that um, has innovation at the kind of top of her list when it comes to doing things. And uh, what I'd love to do in a, in a little while is just pull apart a, a fantastic article you wrote recently about how you've managed to basically reconfigure your work to allow for your uh, impending child. Yes, um, absolutely. Which, and your child is due when? In July. In July. Fantastic. So you've basically, I think that's been something of a, uh, well, it's probably not a wake up because I think you're already wide awake, but it's been a bit of a stir up for you to realise that, hey, I need to get my business to run a little differently to allow for this little critter in my life um so we'll we'll go there in a little bit if we can but in just before we do so this what impressed us so i remember well, a number of things impressed us about your entry into our world but i remember that you do a number of things differently but for, let's sort of go back to the beginning you were then you were sort of working in and around the industry and you did you do you have a sort of uh, did you have an aha moment when you thought hang on a minute there's a business here how did that how did it all start uh i'm actually quite frustrated in my aha moment when i reflect on it because it took me too long to get there um <laughs> i for years just thought there's got to be a better way i wish someone would create the platform that i had in my head or i thought there's there's got to be something, and I remember searching all the time, there's got to be something out there that I just haven't heard of to make life easier. Um, and it took me years to have an epiphany of, wait a second, I could actually build this. Hmm. So I think it was a, a, a space of my own uh, confidence and, and where I was at in my life that I was able to to realise that I actually could take this on and run with it. So, but do you think that that space was a necessary space? I mean, it's easy to... You know, and as a, a soloist, we're all very good at sort of beating ourselves up for not doing things quick enough or fast enough or whatever. But um, do you actually, looking back on it, do you think, well, maybe it was quite good that you started it when you started it rather than when you first thought of it? Oh, the timing was brilliant. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. In, in retrospect, yes. The timing when I when I started it, um, I, if I'm honest, probably couldn't have done it any earlier than that. But, okay. um, yeah, the, the thought that there should be what I wanted to create out there kind of sat with me for years. Mm. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because in this, you know, increasingly in this day and age, we sort of hear of stories, these, you know, overnight successes. And then you dig a bit deep and you realise that, that overnight success took about five years. <laughs> yes. um, it's, I do think it's a pressure, particularly for a number of, of startup people, to be looking and thinking of something, going, oh, if I don't do this soon, I'm going to miss the bus. You know, and I still think even at the pace that things are happening today, that's so often not the case. Would you agree with that? I mean, we've just got to get it right. So never mind doing it in a rush. What do you think? Oh, I completely agree with you. Uh, the the prize pig space that it is at the moment has only been going for for twelve months. Mm. However, for two years or a year and a half before that, I was running prize pig, but in a in a bit of a different capacity. Um, so it, it's an evolution, and I think. People are always iterating and, and tweaking and changing their businesses. So, you know, Prize Peak may be an overnight success in in its current format for the last year, but there's a lot of background, and and that's the case for most businesses. Yeah. So, to what degree is your path, your evolution of your business, to what degree is it planned, 
or is it more you responding to things as you see them? How do you, how would you sort of respond to that? I think we're completely reactive. Um, in the beginning, the concept of Prize Pig being an online platform for small businesses to connect with media, that process came from me and I think um, I, we were pretty early with that. Mm. Um, most most small businesses were a bit like, oh, I'm, this is online and this is completely new and, and media outlets have never done anything like this. So we were really fast to the curve on that. Um, however, everything else has been reactive to the market. So uh, pricing structures, processes, um, the way things are laid out, all of that sort of stuff has come from our users and, and the way that they like to see things. Yeah, okay. And the, the way that, um, you know, you mentioned your users, um, you've design so much of your business clearly around them to how in your business on a day-to-day or a week-to-week basis how do you kind of review how do you get the learnings that you need to get in order to keep innovating I think it's all about communication we um we chat with our members all the time uh I love chatting with our small business guys because I'm just genuinely interested in small businesses and what people are doing and how it's going uh and on top of that there's some you know things in place we um we do a survey every quarter and ask some pretty serious questions and I'm fortunate that um we actually get some really honest responses so Mm. Uh, it's keeping that open communication and, and allowing people to access me and, and let me know. And and we have a lot of early adopters on board who uh, are really open with their feedback. They know that they can actually change the business. Um, if somebody says something in a Facebook group as a suggestion, more often than not I'll say, well, that's a really great idea and we can turn that around in a couple of weeks. So mm. people see action being taken from their feedback. But what about – what do you also – um, get people that are coming up with ideas that you don't like and how do you handle those? Uh, yeah, we do. Uh, and and I think oh, I'm, I'm struggling to answer that one. Every now and again there's probably five things that people want <laughs> that, right. that keep coming up as suggestions. Uh, but unfortunately just with just with the process, just with how media works in this country, it's not really possible. Uh, so it's just I just explain, look, that's a really great idea and that would make life easier for you but But, here's why we can't do it but it's on our radar if things change um and and it does change we uh we originally had to keep a really tightly locked site and we were very selective about our members because our media guys were nervous to put up all the details about their brand so yeah sure they're really transparent. A TV station will say, here's, our, here's what we're charging our clients and here's our, our listenership and, and they're giving away mm. details they don't want their competitors to see. Mm, and, of course. So you've got to have some pretty strict guidelines and security kind of behind all that or covering all that. Yeah, but then constantly looking at that and going, well, well, now we're actually looking at opening it up a little bit more because for the last 12 months we've been building that trust with media and, and they're like, okay, well, we trust you now. We've been working with you for a year and, you know, we can we can see where this is going. So it's a constant state of evolution and, and review. Yeah, okay. So good, a great point you say there is is that if somebody has an idea that's not the right idea, you fully acknowledge it and – in many cases, by the sounds of it, say, yes, that is a great idea, but sadly that the world doesn't work like that, um, or not yet. So I think that's, that's a great point. So what, where, you know, so much of your business uh, is, and you said, you know, use the phrase early adopters, and your business is, is um, clearly uh, an early adopting business in that you've, you know, you've disrupted some stuff, you're doing things differently. And it strikes me that there's 
always a challenge with that sort of business in that you, before you can market to anybody, you kind of have to educate the market to what the concept is. How did you find that process? And how did you, what did you, do you recall any particular tactics you use to kind of get, for example, media outlets to, you know, just be brave enough to have a go at this? I found that a complete surprise. <laughs> that, okay. was, that was something to me that I, I really didn't factor in or, or expect. The education process is a substantial mm. side of the business and took a huge amount of my energy, uh, particularly, yeah, at launch. And I, I just didn't think it would be as hard as it, as it was, mm. to be honest. Um, we were really lucky with media outlets. I have only ever done competitions, Robert. Like that is all I've that's my entire world, my entire okay. career, almost 15 years, that's all I've done on, on media side and the product side. So I was just a bit insular of uh, people's assumptions. I just thought yeah, people, okay. everyone knew what it was. Mm-hmm. So by chatting with So small- was it the media or was it the, the target audience, the small business? Who, who gave you the biggest sort of challenge? Uh, both in completely different ways. Mm. Um, media outlets were going, this is really great, but uh, – what do you mean we have to do use a platform? Can't you just do it all for me? Um, and it was an education process of mm. I actually had to do some stats around it. So my response to them was uh, we did a survey and realised that we can save them four hours a week and eight emails. It worked out that it took eight emails back and forth to a PR person or to me to book in a, a prize for their competition. However, um, if they used the website, they could do it in two clicks. Mm. So I needed stats to back it up yeah, and, okay. and recommendations from media guys that they knew. And and a high degree of persistence, I imagine. You know, you had to keep going at these people because education, when you're trying to change people's thinking about what's possible, is a can be a very long, drawn-out process. Yeah, but I, I work like that. I, I don't take no for an answer. So the concept of contacting someone, you know, six or seven times and, and pushing for a meeting and, and having a call with them um, and not giving up until they came on board and, or actually heard what I had to say, um, that was that was always going to happen because that's just what I'm like. Yeah, yeah okay. But then presumably, and, and I, I hear so many and see, you know, witness so many situations um, that are, have a parallel to this where there is a sort of an education need and often, as you, you know, very nicely or very clearly put, when you're kind of in there, you don't necessarily see it. You know, you think, well, everybody thinks like this. Everybody works like this. And then when you actually go public, you realize, oh, actually, no, they don't. And it takes time and it takes resilience and persistence. And you've clearly got to bucket loads of those. It also takes some reserve. So I'm imagining that your revenue didn't exactly kick off in the way that you envisaged. So had you prepared for that or did you just sort of wing it? Uh, In the beginning, uh, before the online platform, we were actually just running kind of like a PR agency that specialised in competitions. Okay. So you had some other revenue coming in anyway. Yeah, so I did that for, for a year while we were working out um, the online platform, the processes, chatting with devs, how it was going to work. So because of that side um, side gig, uh, yeah, I was I was fully prepared for it, which was which was great, and um, and I think it just. But I mean, you can't be prepared for those sort of, sorts of things to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just decided it was a. Um, I was just going to give it everything I got and work as hard as I possibly could, and just trusted that it was all going to be okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> well, and it's, but I think a really clear point in there is that you had 
revenue coming from elsewhere during that process. And that's the piece that really concerns me with with people that are starting something very innovative. If you're kind of shutting down every other source of revenue, which might be leaving your job or quitting your part-time job or quitting your other little small business. Mm. If I get to those people early enough, I always think, well, please don't do that you know let's get you know keep the keep the revenue flowing because there's nothing worse than trying to build an innovative business when you're you have an anxiety or a concern over over income so you you clearly worked worked that well um so just an, another area i wanted to go into so you're talking there then about this this innovation you invite so much feedback from your customers which is brilliant um what do you how do you cope with um the sort of the shiny objects the opportunities that must come in front of you does the does the amanda of prize pig are you able to kind of park those and go actually no i'm going to focus on this or do you find yourself how do you control the the attraction of other innovation possibilities i'm i'm really set on what we're doing I think the more you niche down a business, the bigger it can be. So I'm incredibly focused on our niche. We only do media competitions. We really love working with small businesses and that's it. And in that space, I'm innovating in that area. Anything else, um, I just don't I can't, I don't even see it. I've got my blinders on. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. That's very good. That's a real discipline. You just let it go completely. Don't, don't look at it at all. Yeah, pretty much. Mm. Now, look – Fantastic. Let me. Um, you wrote a, a, an article that was, I thought, was well. You've written some very fine articles. You wrote one recently that um, we had the pleasure of publishing, which was how you are preparing your business for the imminent arrival of your little bundle of joy. And um, I think you had a bit of a, um, in this case, it was a bit of a wake up call where you realised actually, hang on a minute, I've got a business that takes up a lot of my time. I'm about to move into a phase, i.e., having a young child where maybe I won't have so much time. So what was, could you just give me a bit of a, how did you, how, you know, what was the process whereby you realized something really did need to change? And then how did you sort of instigate that change? What have you, you know, some ideas of the sort of things that you've done? It's always been my goal to not work in the business all the time. So I really um, wanted to phase myself out a few years in, um, where a a year in and I'm starting and I've I've done it basically. So it just uh, hastened the process and it was really great for me and and also for all all of the members of Prize Pig because um, it's running better without me. I've put in fantastic Mm. processes and systems um, so that every single member gets the same experience uh, and I'm not overcomplicating it. I find I I might have been micromanaging. I'm always checking up on people. Hey, how's it going? What, what are you doing today in Prize Pig? And, and that micromanagement took up a lot of time and was really unnecessary. I, um, I just needed to learn that Everybody can look after themselves and I just need to create systems and processes so that if anyone needs anything, it's there for them. Mm. Um, and it was always a goal, but I just got there quicker. Okay. So how, how do you remember your sort of first steps? You know, here you are one day working, you know, I think you mentioned in your article 12 hours a day. Yeah. And your goal was to work four hours a day. Um, you know, that's a lot of difference. So where did you start? What was the, what was the first thing you did? First thing I did was a task audit. Okay. So I wrote down every single thing you did. Every single thing. Uh, and instead of just writing, you know, emails, I added some more details in there. So, you know, responded to so-and-so with regarding this issue and, and broke all the problems down. Hmm. 
And you wrote this what longhand in a document in a how did you how did you write it down? I did it in an Excel document. I set okay. my phone to buzz me every hour for a week. And every hour I'd go into my Excel document and, and punch in what I'd been doing that hour. So I could really see, and it's, it was quite wow. striking, mm. um, where all the space was. And, and from there, I highlighted things, certain colors. So batching, I know there's a lot of articles in Flying Solo on, mm. on batch working, and, and I love to work like that. And thought that I did until I started highlighting and then realized not so much. So when you say batching, you're working in a block of time where you're focused on a task or a series of related tasks yeah absolutely so responding to uh, member inquiries and member member feedback or responding to new leads um, doing all that in, in one space and then the next step after that was to look at each batch and and how can I not do have to do that was basically the question hmm. so the first so if you did this every hour for sorry how long what duration for, for a week for a week okay so at the end of it, what what did you feel when you looked at it? I mean, did you feel a sense of, uh, wow, this is this you know, there's so much opportunity here, or were you sort of devastated with my God, I'm just faffing about doing so many millions of things? What was your what was your feeling? <laughs> I think the realizing around the the batching and the color coding was helpful because there were really only about six different elements. Everything could be put under six banners, and when I saw that instead of just this list of ridiculous tasks. Um, I thought, well, that's achievable. There's six major processes that I need to put in place. Okay, so Im- immediately when you had the long list, you, you were, you, your eyes were on the solution and you had yep. it. You, yeah, well, that's brilliant. Okay, so you went through the task. You started to see where you could batch them. Then what? What's the next step? Because you're still doing all the work, right? But you're doing it in sort of batches now. But it's how much time did you save just in that process or is that not how you worked? No, it was just to uh, by batching them in the Excel document, I could see what uh, what areas I needed to work on. So one of which there was a lot of uh, customer inquiries coming through, and I wrote down all the questions that were coming in, and and a lot of them were quite similar. So that led me to well, I can remove this entire section if I develop a, a solution for that problem. So like an FAQ page in simple terms. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Something I, I've created something kind of like a Google where people can type in a question and it comes up and, and announce that to our members. Uh, and I originally thought um, they would just like to come and ask me questions and, and they can book in calls with me and we talk about it. Um, so that's when I say I was kind of micromanaging it. Mm. However, when I did put up a big question mark on their on their dashboard that they can click and ask a question anytime and get an answer, um, we found that they really responded to that. Uh, so that was that was a win for both of us. Yeah, and that's such a that's such a good learning because it is a it's a classic trap of of the soloist I think to fall into that spot where you you know we're always told the customer's always right you've got to love your customer you've got to build a relationship and it's so easy to fall into that trap where you think well they want to talk to me they need to talk to me I need to talk to them um, which at certain levels is absolutely true, but for an awful lot of the sort of mundane, the, the mundane parts of our work, or the systematic processes of our work, we can we can get ourselves out of there, and we should. So that must have made a big difference to you. It was an epiphany. Mm. <laughs> it's, it made a huge change, and um, and made it the customer experience better. And is it is this something that you continually add to if you're answering? 
or any of your, your people around you are answering questions repeatedly, do they then automatically get sort of added into that that list? Every single question that comes in gets added to the list. Fantastic. Brilliant. Okay, so there's a lot of admin gone, and that must have immediately shaved, shaved off an hour or two a day, would it? Oh, easily, yes. Easily. So what yep. was next? What, what got the chop next? Uh, the next we're looking at some questions um, and issues around um, what people were confused about. So not necessarily questions that were coming in, but when I talked to them, they'd say, oh, actually, yeah, we weren't sure about this. Or um, okay. So and- looking for uncertainty and sort of question marks above people's heads. Yeah, absolutely. I was doing a um, a 15-minute call with every member that came through and chatting with them and running them through the process um, because I felt that my hands need, my sticky fingers needed to be all over everything. Mm. So I decided that, that those 15-minute calls were taking up a lot of time. That was a couple of hours a day. So how can I outsource that? And, and I wrote down everything we chatted about in the calls and then created an online onboarding sequence um, both in the website and also via emails um, that answered all those questions. So uh, I don't have to do the 15-minute call and and our users can actually see it and read it in their own time and, okay. and experience. But in hindsight, was it still important to you, I'm thinking here of, of any sort of startup type listeners, was it important to you to go through a period where you did have those calls? It completely made my website having those calls. Okay. All yeah, right, good. Absolutely. So you you needed it. You got so much kind of raw data and learning from it, and you then turned that into something different. So whoosh, there goes another slug of work. Important to recognise when you need it and when you can let it go. I think, yeah, Robert. Okay. That, yeah, I could have c- continued to do it for years. However, um, it was inefficient and, and not the best anymore. Mm. But in the beginning, yeah, it was imperative. Yeah, and it's difficult, isn't it? Because when you're you know when you're talking to a customer and you're having a good conversation, you think, oh. I'm so needed, I'm so valuable, this business is so good. Um, but meanwhile, you're sitting there perhaps wondering why I haven't got more customers and why my marketing isn't better and why my conversion isn't better. And hello, it's because you're hanging around on those calls for too long. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right. Okay, so what did you do? Where, where to next? Do you remember what your next sort of step was? Uh, I brought on a, a VA. A virtual assistant, okay. Yeah, I brought on a virtual assistant. I had attempted about five times to mm. do that. And what uh, went had, wrong in the other five times? Uh, not the right person. Okay. It yeah. wasn't It wasn't the brief, it was a person, was it? Uh, it wasn't the right – oh, good question. Uh, no, I think it was the person. I um, I was just looking for a, a VA and, and then um, – the agencies that I work with got went fantastic. We've got someone. We'll, you can interview them this afternoon. They just right. had someone there at Mini, even though I my job spec was actually a little deeper than that. So oh, okay. um, they weren't the right fit. But then I went to a new agency that were amazing. Uh, mm. Virtual Earls, if I could possibly plug them, my goodness. I think you can. And it took them three weeks. They said, "Thanks, this is required in depth. Leave it with us." And it took them three weeks to find my my superstar. Right, okay. And he or she has been with you now for a good period? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's it's just fantastic. She updates all of our operations manuals and just manages stuff that I shouldn't have to be doing anymore. I mean, yeah. I don't need to respond to every email. So that was another epiphany. And lovely. And how do you use this person? On an hourly basis or on an ad needs basis? How does it sort of fit into your, your own schedule? 
Yeah, we have her half a day uh, for half the day every single day, um, and that, that will probably increase over the next few months. So it's just a matter of um, she just says to me every now and again, I need an extra hour every day, and I say, you got it. Okay, and, and she doesn't work from your office? She's at a different location? She's in the Philippines. Oh, okay, she's in a very different location. Yes. Okay. Good, all right. And you've so, again, how important, just while I'm on that, how important – was the uh, recruitment people in the middle virtual elves? I think you said was that was it was it important for you to have them? Did they do something that you wouldn't have been able to do? I know there's a lot of talk. In fact, I noticed an article recently again on Flying Solo about recruiting people overseas, and it's not as easy as it sounds. Did you find great value in that sort of uh, agency in the middle? I'm such a believer, and if you're not an expert, then find one someone who is. Mm. Um, I'm not an expert in recruiting or, or the culture of the Philippines and how they work. And um, I found using an agency who that was their space uh, just incredible. I wouldn't have been able to do it by myself. So, and that that goes for everything. I mean, I'm not a bookkeeper, so I get a bookkeeper on board. Mm. Um, I yeah, I'm not in recruitment, so I find someone who is. Yeah. Okay. Well, that, great. And again, another lovely sign, I think, of of an innovator or indeed any successful small business is having. The courage to get to say I don't know how to do that, but I'm going to find someone who does, as opposed to rolling up your sleeves and trying everything and and you know probably stuffing up at the one thing that you could be really good at. But okay, so you've I mean by the sounds of it you've you've you've, you've kind of done your job by doing those steps. Was there was there anything else in particular that was a real sort of revelation for you that's transformed how you work? Uh, good question. Look, I think as we as we chatted about, the revelation was I don't have to do everything, and that was that was really difficult. I'm still struggling with it. Um, I really only have to be on my computer an hour a day at the moment, and from going from twelve hours a day of just hectic. Crazy it sounds like you don't know what to do with yourself. You're lost. I do not know what to do with myself, and and there was no like slow process I offloaded all this stuff quite quickly I thought it would take longer than it did um however the process was a lot easier another thing actually I did do was um bring on speaking of experts my web developer so a lot of the stuff that was left over in that task audit that I was doing Hmm. I sent him a list and said can you automate what can you automate out of this terrific so that was phenomenal. We're going through a lot of web changes at the moment. I think there were about uh, 50 changes that that we're doing through the website to change processes so mm. that I'm not manually doing things. But also what a, what a lovely brief for the right developer to have a client say, here are 15 things that I don't want to be doing. Please, can you work out a way to make them go away? You know, that's to the right developer. That's a lovely brief. It's a clear brief, isn't it? Yeah, and it's about working with, uh, working with people that, have your vision. I yeah. think they're quite innovative, uh, the brand that I, I work with. And um, and so when I'm throwing them these curveballs, a lot of people would be like, no, that can't be done. But mm. they, they say, hey, great question. We'll Live. find a way. Yeah, I love that. They're the type of people that, that I, I really enjoy working with. Well, again, very good point. Make sure you surround yourself with the right people, and, and you clearly have. So, But it sounds like then one absolute faux pas here in your whole plan is you haven't worked out what you're going to do with the lazy eight hours that you've that you've found for yourself i mean clearly when baby arrives you you might have something to do but um so what are you doing there you're just walking around the house just, you know what are you doing well unfortunately for my web developer i've just uh i just keep coming up with new ideas like uh-huh. with, a, with a clearer mind I find um, answers to questions that have just been sitting there for months. Yeah, of course, because all the clutter's gone. 
or the client has gone and I will mm. just be making a coffee and have an epiphany of why didn't I think of that six months ago mm. um, and speed dialing straight to my yes. website going, I've changed you know, these, I've got it. <laughs> I'm gonna, I think I'm going to ring your web developer after this and go, just tell me, what goes through your mind when you see Amanda's number come up on your <laughs> phone? <laughs> oh, my God, strap myself in. Well, look, um, that's fantastic, Amanda. I, I think that's uh, really some great, great insights there, some great tips for people. Um, I think it's so wonderful that you've given this forethought to designing your business and clearly, you know, with your your child arriving soon, that's something of a deadline which has um, helped you. But it sounds like you're someone who responds very well to deadlines and is, is just you just have an innovation gene that's um, pumping. No, that's a vein, isn't it? Anyway, you've got innovation <laughs> pumping through you very healthily. So that's fantastic. And it's uh, it's been just great having you join us today. So thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, it was a pleasure. Thank you. Great. Well, look, let me just uh, remind people that uh, support for this podcast comes from Sendal, the door-to-door parcel delivery service that's cheaper than the post office. Head to sendal.com forward slash flying solo to get free Sendal premium worth $120 a year and you'll get an extra dollar off every parcel you send. So, Amanda, maybe you, should, you know, maybe you should check them out if you're sending any packages. But, you know. Good think, deal. Uh, yeah. Anyway, again, Amanda, thank you so much. Congratulations on on being the uh, innovation category winner of the Flying Solo Awards and uh, for giving your time for us today. Thank you. Thanks, Robert. And that's where we'll leave this show from Flying Solo and your host, Robert Gerrish. We'd love to receive feedback, even a brief review for those listening via iTunes. If you're planning to start a business or rejuvenate the one you're in, check out our bestseller, Flying Solo, How to Go It Alone in Business. It includes everything we know about working on your own. And of course, we invite you to dive into the resources and supportive community at flyingsolo.com.au. 